when Mr. Raider passed away that um, the weight of the world was on my shoulder and there was a way that I had to cope with it even more. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the right way. And um, I talked to people about it and I'm not embarrassed of it because a lot of us, there's a lot of people that, that face that demon because that's, I mean, that's what it is. It's a demon. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. People who grow our food have incredible stories to share. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast, right? But sometimes those stories aren't even really directly about the food, but the things that go on, the the human interactions that take place, the community that's built and the relationships, growing food, farming is a human process. It's a family process. And it just struck me so much this week, um, or listening to this week's conversation again, I, I got choked up, I, I'm not going to lie, just listening back to it. We talk again with Juan Garcia. This is the second half of the conversation that I had with him. If you didn't catch last week, that's okay. You can still get a lot out of this week. But if you do want the full background of how he got to the point where we're going to start here, um, last week has all the setup for that, explaining the farm that he works for, the kind of stuff that he does. Here's a guy who came from almost nothing, basically came in off the street to, to get a job, at Raider Farms and now manages the entire farming operation there. And what that's meant to him personally is crazy. And some of the, the struggles that he's gone through battling with alcoholism and grappling with the death of his mentor and father figure, the owner and founder of, of the farm, Lyle Raider. Um, so it gets, as you can expect here with these kinds of topics, it gets pretty emotional. So buckle up. This is the most uh, emotional episode we've done yet here on the Real Food, Real People podcast. By the way, I, I'm Dylan Honkoop. Super glad that you decided to jump on board here. Would really appreciate a, a follow on social media, on, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, and, and subscribe, too, to make sure you don't miss any future uh, episode of the podcast. We're on all the main podcast platforms out there. So whatever you like the best. Or you could just go to realfoodrealpeople.org. Um, but without any further intro, let's get back into it again. This is part two with Juan Garcia of Raider Farms, and I don't know, you you may need you may need a box of Kleenex for the for this episode. I, I'm serious about that. I uh, I've never gotten this emotional in an interview before, and there are some things in here that I've never shared publicly before. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. <laughs> When was it that you realized you loved this, doing this whole farming thing? Or what was it, I guess, maybe, that, that caused you to be like, hey, this is like really my thing? If I can go back and think, it was probably the first planting when we actually started. Uh, we took on new property. This was, man, I can't even put a year on it. Probably about the third or fourth year. It was a new acquisition. And just the intensity uh, and the work of working the dirt, 
And back then, I mean, now we got uh, these Green Star units on tractors, and that thing goes down, and you're <laughs> a lot of a lot of the younger kids are probably going to be in a lot of trouble. Take plowing, for example. He plowed, you know, long hours. You lose that straightaway. You lose your straight point, and it'll take you about six hours to make up the difference. You know what I'm talking about because oh, yeah. he's laughing. But um, honestly, I think it was back the first year. Uh, it was a new field acquisition, and it was just getting the infrastructure. It wasn't like this field is already here. We're going to add to it. It's a brand new piece of dirt, and it's what you made out of it from the irrigation to the infrastructure, all the infrastructure, the post, the trellis, the plants, the irrigation, uh, and just seeing those plants start popping out and then wondering why that one's not doing as good <laughs> as this one, and then realizing that that row was not done by that same person, so there's a difference in depth of the planting uh, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So then you start figuring out that first year we did, it's like, okay, next year I got to make sure that everyone's planting the exact same depth, which is nice about mechanization now because yeah. that, that marker wheel and, you know, it's all going the same depth. But when a person's doing it, there's not that consistency. So I, I, w- I would say that uh, that's about the, the turning point when I say, you know what, I, I, I can get pretty good at this or I can enjoy this. Um, and one thing about farming is just stability. And I got, we talked about it before is where I started from, uh, where I came from and the stability of having that job. And it's, I mean, I've said it before and people say it all the time. If you love something, it's not work. And people don't, a lot of people don't get the fact that it's true. Going to work is not something you wake up. It's like, oh my God, I got to go punch in. It's not, that's not the case. Yeah. It really isn't. And I can honestly say that a big part of the, the team that we have there on the farm feels the same way. It's not, it's not a hindrance. Like my, it's not clocking in and out. It's not, it's, it's, uh, you enjoy it and you, and, uh, you look forward to it because what you do today may not have an effect until next year or two years. So it's, yeah, that that would be it. What did it take to work so closely with Lyle? You talk about that, and he was almost became like a father figure oh. to you. I guess that'd be another. When did you realize that he was kind of this mentor for you? Because Lyle it, it knew so much and yeah. had decades of experience, and he would communicate with you, and he was a teacher. But he also had really high expectations. Yeah. I know because I know him. I knew him <laughs> personally, not nearly yeah. as well as you did. Yeah. But I know he was not a guy that was about messing around and just chewing the fat. Yeah. No. That 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 <laughs> that can that's true. But a lot of people didn't see the other side of 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 spending the time with him. Yeah. So yeah, the one thing about even to the day, and we talk about numbers, it is running lean. I mean, people, you know. I, I'm approached by employees say, hey, we got this problem. Can we throw two or three people at it? Well, that's not how you solve something. It's not fixing a problem by throwing more people or money at it. Uh, how can we improve on it? Um, and Lau was, you know, he was one of those that would tell, explain to you how to do the job and then turn and look at you and ask you twice, do you know what I mean? I mean, he's looking at you real close. Do you know what I mean? 
And always, it was always, there's no dumb questions. And through all the question asking, um, you start realizing and learning on why he accomplished. I mean, being vertically, vertically integrated from the point we got into the big uh, Costco uh, years ago. Um, and that's why earlier I, I touched on the point that it's that thought process of how he approaches things by not throwing something at it, by, but by sitting there. Uh, say, take example with a planter. We're planting well, early, a lot of years ago. We're planting raspberries. And I bet you that we, we adjusted one of those shanks about five and a half hours. One shank. There's two row planter. We worked on one of them five and a half hours. Wow. And look at one row and then come back and then keep adjusting middle of the row. But um, you, you spend time with someone like that and, and it's when that person passes that everything, everything makes sense. And, and I'm not saying it's unfortunate that that happened, that when he passed, but it was, a lot of us take a lot of things for granted. We take life for granted. We take time with our family for granted. We take so many things for granted. Uh, when he passed away, it was it was one of those things like, all right, obviously with Brad Raider being alongside with us, but you know, we, we both learned under the, the same person. That's when it really felt like, oh, boy, now what are we going to do? But then there was times, the majority of the times where you just ask yourself, what, what would he do? Would he sit on that tractor five hours taking that nut on and off? Five and a half hours adjusting it? Getting it right. That's yeah. so that approach goes a long way. Um, what was that like when Lyle passed? It was it. I remember what we were doing. We were planting berries. The first we were going up the first six rows, and um, one of the guys went out to the field and told me and Javier and I were working together and it's one of those things where you no not no didn't couldn't believe it would be true no <laughs> no um this was totally unexpected right yeah yeah just like out of the blue yeah it you know there's a big picture you know, we touched upon it before we turned the mics on. There's a, yeah. there's a bigger picture that uh, I think age makes you a little bit wise. You start seeing things differently. I mean, I got two boys, and, and I hope that, you know, I set an example that, um, that they'll follow. You know, it, uh, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Uh, but the... You carry on that, and that's why I says, and people can't see me right now, but I'm smiling because I know that what he taught us is 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 it's it, it's there. I mean, it lives on. It, I, it it just it lives on. It doesn't end. Um, and then when when we pass, you hope you know that the person that was, you know, 
working alongside of you can remember some of the things that he taught me that I taught them yeah. and they'll teach the next guy. Um, so that was in the middle of Atlantic when he passed away. We, we were on the first, first eight rows, you know, of that spring when we, uh, when he passed, um, and it was a new variety of berries. <laughs> so we were do, used to dealing with makers all the time. Now we got a new variety and, you know, the one guy that taught you the one variety is not there to help you with the second one. So it's your job to figure it out. Um, yeah. What was it like on the farm in those, I, I guess I haven't talked about this on the podcast before, but my dad actually got into raspberries because of his younger brother. My Uncle Rick. I don't know if you knew yep, my Uncle yep. Rick. I did not know him, but I know of him. No. He was a wild man, and he... <laughs> but he passed away from cancer. Uh, and he died right in the middle of raspberry harvest. Yeah. And I remember it was tough. Yeah. And I remember seeing my dad cry, yeah. standing on a raspberry picker, which was bizarre. Never thought I'd see that. You think you... But that got him through it, too, because yeah. we had to keep on picking berries. Yeah. There was no stopping. Sorry if I'm getting emotional here. Just no. taking me back, because that was formative for me as a kid. No. Like, what is, what's going to happen here? No. How's my dad? My dad is up there weeping on a machine, and I know this farm, small farm, relies on him keeping this going. How are we going to do now this? Now what? How are we going to do yeah. this? Now what? Um, it's the same. I mean, I can honestly say it's it's, it's the same, because it's, that person's not there to help you anymore, and it's upon us from just to carry on what their their teachings are. And like I said, um, Brad, uh, Lyle, and Sue, that family, I owe a lot to, and I said it before, and I know, and they've told me the same as the feeling is mutual. He's like, why is it, we're you know you're part of us. And when someone tells you that you tell that person that you owe them a lot for the opportunity, and they look you back and they tell you, you helped us. Um, it, it, yeah. Yeah. But we keep going, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. it's one of those things where you do it more and you try to be do it better. I guess it's, that man's shoes, no one's going to fill them. I can honestly tell you that right now. No one's going to fill those shoes. No one's going to pretend to. But there's, we can do things. I mean, we've done a lot of great things over the years. Um, uh, a lot of things that he did, why he did them. You tweak those a little bit here and you do this and you try that and you start seeing seeing stuff pay dividends and it's not because of what you did. You know, it's, it's, it's what started back then. Well, and what you say about Lyle living on through that farm, oh, yeah. even years after his passing, oh, yeah. I mean, anybody can feel that within an organization. But in the case of Raider Farms, yeah. I can say that from looking from the outside, having mm -hmm. lived basically next door to you guys yep. my whole life, yeah. that that farm still has the marks of Lyle Raider <laughs> all over it. <laughs> it, it. It means a lot to hear you say that. It means a lot because it took all of us to continue that. Yeah. And uh, you don't worry about uh, what people think or what say, what's being said. And, you, know, you don't worry about those things. You just worry about what you can do. And, and uh, I mean, we, we provide a living for a lot of people. I mean, we provide good, honest, 
hard-working jobs for a lot of people. A lot of people feel the same way. A lot of people appreciate that. Um, but it's it, it's just one of those. I mean, it's it's a story. I mean, like I says we can go on here a couple hours just going <laughs> on about just different days, different things that happen, different, you know. Uh, I'm running kids off the field. There's a, there's a guy who put a little quad through the field. And I remember when I first saw him after a few years, I look at him and he says, he says, you remember me? I said, no, I don't. Kid's about, the guy's about six foot four now. I'm looking up at him. He said, you used to run me out of your fields. I said, no, nah, that was Lyle telling me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> But even those, the guy. Well, fellow, you must have never caught me. <laughs> we never ran me out of the field. But uh. it was hard catching you because I had to ride a bike all the way to pick up my Kim truck all the way up on uh, on the Haverstick farm. Yeah. But uh, no, we we've been you know you, we've been neighbors for a lot of years. We've had those fifty acres right behind you guys' place for a lot of years. So you start seeing what Randy's doing, and oh, Randy's seeing what we're doing, and. Uh, um, yeah, he too, weird. there's another guy right there that, you know, um, that's very passionate, you know, uh, about what they do. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so much, so many people in this County, that, you know, in agriculture that are the same way. Uh, and it's pretty cool to see that because most people think like, well, you know, you guys are top secret. And I say, no, nah, you know, we're all in this together. We all fight the same issues. We all fight the same, you know, uh, battles. So, we communicate, you know, yeah. with a lot of the farmers, you know, in the raspberry industry. We we talk, uh, try to figure out ways to, you know, whether it's personnel or, or or pest issues that we faced in the past few years, trying to get the timing right, uh, that kind of deal. So we communicate. We talk a lot. You know, there's a lot of good people in this, you know, community. Before we started recording here, you had mentioned to me. That's something that I didn't know, that you've been sober for seven years. Uh, November 7th, November 6th, seven years. I didn't know that that had been a thing. A lot of people you. didn't know. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a way of trying to mask pressure. Mm. There's a way of uh, people like myself thought um, how I had to cope with things. And uh, through the grace of God, I'm a, with His help and my family support, I've been. It's been, it's been nothing but a blessing to let that anchor go, to let uh, get that off of your shoulders and uh, see things clearly. You know, that was one of the things. You know, when Mr. Raider passed away, that um, the weight of the world was on my shoulder, and there was a way that I had to cope with it even more. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the right way, and um, I talked to people about it, and I'm not embarrassed of it because a lot of us, there's a lot of people that that face that demon because that's I mean that's what it is. It's a demon. Uh, I was told back when I stopped that I was uh, going to help a couple of people, you know, accomplish the same goal, and it's, it's come, come come to fruition a couple of, on a couple of close friends that I have. Um, but uh, definitely was one of the one of the biggest obstacles in my life. I mean, I look at obstacles nowadays. I mean, aside from what we're going through in this great country of ours, with uh, but there's a lot of obstacles that you look at that I'm not afraid to take on. You know, I'm not take, afraid to take on certain challenges where 
maybe a few years ago, I was a little bit more timid because I had to, I had that on uh, looking over my shoulder. Not anymore. But what was it like when you were drinking? It was not fun. It was not fun. It's like with anything, you just don't like who you are, and you got to make a difference. You got you got to make a change. How did it start? I mean, because a lot of people have a few drinks, but when did it become a problem? Way before I stopped. Way before I stopped. Um, I guess there's the issue of when it actually became a problem and when you realized it was a problem. Yeah, I think the more I look at it, it was a problem a long time. Mm. It wasn't. A, there wasn't a certain date that it was a problem. It's one of those things where... You look now, and like I said, a lot of the decision-making that I make on the farm, uh, I'm, I'm more concise, more clear, and more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More confident mm. in knowing that what we're about to do is the right decision. I always tell the guys the same thing. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And if something goes wrong... I'm jumping on that sword myself because this is my decision, right? Yeah. So, but it's easier to make decisions. What well, you just said about confidence, though, I, I think that's interesting because that's the opposite of what the stereotype is. Is well, you know, if you're scared of something, you aren't feeling confident. You know, take a shot of cur liquid yeah, courage, right? Yeah, I think that was the case back then. But you're <laughs> saying now that you're on the other side yeah. of that, oh yeah, it was actually making you less confident. I think so. Oh yeah, that's I think so. Uh, because you don't, you don't have that, uh, that clarity. Your mind's not in the right state of mind. Um, whereas now, or the last seven years, it, it, and the biggest thing for me is, is not the work. The biggest, the, and I can't put enough emphasis on it, is my family. Is the relationship that I have with my family. And it, you know, it's going to take years to recuperate a lot of that time. Actually, let me take that back. You're not going to recuperate. And you're not going to be forgiven on one day. But every day that I wake up, every day that I wake up, I work on getting to the point where I can say my relationship with my boys and my wife is where it should be. It may take the rest of my life, and I may never accomplish it, but I can tell you one thing, every day I'm going to try. Uh, and it goes back to your work, why you enjoy it, why I enjoy, you know, what I do. And honestly, it's my family. I love my two boys to death, and I love my wife more than anything I can, any, anything that words can explain, you know. Husband looks at a a wife looks at her husband and says, why do you love me? And it's, it, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. You know, when I was working those hours, it was her taking me the lunches to my job, to the field. Her buying shoes so that, you know, my shoes weren't worn out and, and, and I was comfortable doing the work that I did. Um, um, How did you meet her? It was, uh, it was in asparagus. It was, and I followed her here to Raider Farms. She worked on the berry pickers on the Latals that Lau had back in the mm -hmm. day. And I followed her up here. And uh, Like you were a, a couple already when you yeah, followed her, or I, you were kind of like still chasing her no, a little bit? I was bit. still chasing her a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was still chasing her. But uh, 
she was working on the pickers. That's the one thing that he, I he joked with Sue about it because I ended up being trucker in that same field that she was at. And by golly, that harvester was always <laughs> unloaded on time. <laughs> always unloaded. I'm sure you look good doing it. <laughs> uh, but no, um, we we've been blessed. So you're we, just we, another berry picker romance. That's that's, that's ex- yeah, there's the first of, one. There's a I've lot seen. of them, right? I guess. Um, no, but there's no looking back. There's no looking back. There's a lot. Of, I mean, you can regret. You can regret a lot of things. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's what I did this morning when I woke up. When I told her I love her, she went into work and uh, for a little bit, and she calls me on her way back. Say, hey, what do you want to grab for lunch? I'm like, well, I got a, got a podcast I got to go to. <laughs> but um, uh, no, she's awesome. She's been a great person, great mother. I mean, this stuff you talk about with sobriety. And struggling with alcohol. I mean, th- there's a lot of people across a lot of different parts of our country, our culture, that deal with this. Mm-hmm. But it's not talked about very much in farming. It's, and it is a thing in farming. It, it You know, it, it's, um, by the way, I, I didn't know you were going to ask this. <laughs> yeah. And like I told you before, I'm, I'm not, it's not something that I'm embarrassed about. It's not something that I'm ashamed of. It's more of an accomplishment because it's something that I was able to beat, and I still, you can say you fight it every day, but there's that. There's so many people that it affects. And it's not just the alcoholic. It's the children. It's the wife. It's the brother. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing to get over. And uh, sometimes you wish that that person that's fighting it can just maybe spend one day, not even a day, eight hours, in my mind, seeing what I see, seeing how I see things, and how appreciative you are. I mean, we were, we were blessed to buy our first home last year. Uh, my wife and I, and our view is the same view you guys have at your place. It's the Sumas Mountain, those, mm-hmm. those little snap uh, snow caps over there, and you wake up looking at that every morning, and I don't take it for granted. I don't, and uh, um, yeah, I'm at a loss for words right now. I, I, you know, I didn't put much thought process into answering this question, but uh, why, why do you think it's it's such a thing in farming? Because you know as well as I, there's quite a few people who struggle with it, but nobody really talks about it. It's, I think, part of it has to do is because you have so many people dependent on you. Um, I don't sign the checks. I work for a, for a farm. I don't sign the checks, but it's it's your decision making that a lot of people depend on. Pressure. Pressure. Yeah. Pressure. And uh it's easy to cave into that into that drink to take some of that pressure off, but then again the pressure's still there. Yep. You know, the pressure's still there. Uh and I talked to a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the same industry and, you know, I've shared the story with a lot of people. It's one of those things that, you know, is hidden. You know, a lot of people face it. I mean, I have family members that still deal with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but if you can reach out and just talk to someone and just, just have that person, just look at life for a little bit through your eyes. And if you can just break that cycle for just a little bit of time and see that you can do without it, yeah, I, I, I 
It's how you look at life, I think, is what it is. Why do you think nobody in farming wants to talk about it? Is it like a macho thing? I don't know if it's a macho thing. I I don't know. Dylan, I I really don't have the answer. I can answer any other question you throw at me, but I don't have the answer to that one. I I don't know the answer to that one. Um, I do hope that us discussing it and and, uh, seeing, you know, some people are going to listen to this and, well, God dang, I didn't know that, you know. A lot of people didn't know that that I work with. Um, I was functioning. I'd show up to work. Uh, but I hope that a lot of people listening, uh, I hope it's more than just the agriculture that listens to your podcast because I hope you do reach out to more people than just the farming community, and I know you do. Um, I mean, I hope it reaches someone. I mean, if you're out there, I mean, yeah. I I wish you nothing but the best. Like I said, all you need is just that just that. Just a little stint of clarity to to break away from that cycle and just to get the understanding that you can do you can do without. And to the day, I mean, I'm around people that you know have drinks, you know, a lot. Maybe I shouldn't be uh, because it's something that you will always be. But uh, again, it goes back to that confidence. I mean, my wife's yeah. told me she says you're too damn stubborn to fail. <laughs> She's damn right. <laughs> so so yeah. What's future hold, this whole farming thing? I know there's lots of cool stuff happening, but at the same time, there are big concerns, you know, especially with, I mean, we were talking raspberries, and that's the world I grew up in, so I follow it close. I know there are people around here worried, like, I don't know if we can keep doing this forever with prices the way they've been. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, um, um, there's a lot of people that can't continue this, and that's why I talk about being surrounded by good people, finding approaches to problems that, don't necessarily involve a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of things we can, I mean, there's things you can do to, I mean, you can't control mother nature. You can't control the climate. That's, that's, that's for sure. But, um, I think that's one of those things where I look at it, not in an isolated way, but it's, you just have to find ways to improve, meaning yield-wise. I mean, plants are genetically set up to do only certain. Yeah. There's ways we were talking about plant nutrition is a big one. That's a big one in uh, accomplishing way of yields. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you look at you look at raspberry farming uh, in the next few years. The uh, pencil you talk to, it doesn't look good. Uh, but it doesn't take away the inspiration to, you know, try to do good. I mean, the market's one thing. Um, I don't have a lot of control over that stuff. I look at it. Um, I wasn't you know, saying isolated. It's, it's I, I'll grow the berries the best we can, the cheapest we can, and get the highest yields, which is kind of an oxymoron, both yeah. two of those things in the same sentence. But uh, uh, that's not, it's not easy. I mean, I don't have the answer to answer your question. I don't have yeah. the answer to where this is heading or I'm not going to, you know, put out a doom and gloom story. There's already enough stuff for that uh, out there. And I hope some of these subjects we talk touched on are yeah. positive subjects. And, and a lot of people are indoors right now. I hope we made somebody's day or made somebody <laughs> think. Uh, I don't have the answer to that one, Dylan. What about, you know, you're, you're growing food that people all over the world eat. A lot of people in cities, a lot of people not connected with how you're growing it. Mm-hmm. What do you think they need to know? 
about what goes into it. I mean, because there's a lot of a lot of voices out there, and people yeah. saying, "Oh, you can't trust the food that yeah. you eat." I think, I think a lot of people need to look at it is that we're all humans here. I mean, we're we're not farming is not a thing. Farming farming is people. Uh, I think if I could make one point to uh, that mindset is that farming is is people. It, it really is people, and we touch more people than the people on the farm. I mean, this community, uh, your, your your auto parts, your hardware store, store your uh, your deli sandwiches that we grab sandwiches. I mean, every there's so many so many things that play a part in farming. It's not just the farm itself. It's a community. It's the people. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to put my number out there, but I'd be more than happy to talk to people and put a little little face to what yeah. what people don't see. Because in a nutshell, that's what we are. We're human beings. We're people. We're making a living. We're struggling to make a living. But w- the inspiration is there. I mean, w- our work ethic is there. Uh, it, it, that is a pretty big challenge to get people to understand that it's not just at the grocery stores. I mean, like we talked touched on it earlier. It's uh, the last day of harvest is what begins the next harvest. Uh, that's true. I mean, it's the work doesn't end, you know. Um, I'd be more than happy to talk a person with that mindset. I mean, it, there's so many things that you know you can talk about. It's not doesn't just show up at the grocery store. Um, I'd be more than happy to talk to people. I mean, if yeah. there's any questions or even future on your podcast, I mean, I'll, I know you got a Facebook page. I'll join yeah. it or answer yeah. questions. I, it, it, it's educating, educating the people with uh, that don't know, that have never been exposed to it. And that's why we touched upon it earlier is that we open a lot of – I mean, I've come across people down south in Bellingham and some of them you don't recognize and – you know, Mr. Garcia, you know, I said, do I know you? He's like, yeah, I worked in your farm mm. 12 years ago. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we had 300 people on the farm that year. Um, but faces you, you resemble. But it, it's always pretty satisfying when you come across that person that that you met when they were in high school, worked on the pickers, and then drove pickers, and then now they're doing, maybe it's not farming. Maybe it's, maybe it's, some other, any other, you know, job that you're, that they're at, but just to know that you touch those persons in a certain way that they remember what agriculture was like and have a greater appreciation for what you do. So if you can just touch one or two person, I mean, it's going to take a long time, longer than I'll be around, but we'll make a difference. We'll make a difference. Juan, thanks for agreeing to do this and open up. I know I've asked you a lot of personal <laughs> stuff, but... Uh, your story is pretty powerful. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me, Dylan. Um, and uh, like I said, thanks, thanks for thanks for the time, and um, we'll keep farming. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. Every time I listen back to that conversation. It gets to me in a little different way, and there are different points that cause me to ooh, get a little bit teary-eyed. Um, and and maybe it's just because of my own story, but it, it's also uh, when you're talking with somebody like Juan, who from a distance you would assume he's you know he's a big guy, tough guy, farmer. It's just 
I don't know, it gets me uh, when somebody like that really opens up and you find the, you know, broken yet inspiring and optimistic stuff inside them. Um, what an incredible conversation. And if you like conversations like this, I urge you to go back. If you haven't heard them all before, go back to our first episode, catch up or, you know, pick some, some of our previous episodes. We have a bit of a collection going now. I think this is number 23. Um, and, and certainly subscribe then to catch future episodes because this is what we do. We share real human stories here as it relates to the people who produce your food. Where our food comes from is so important, and a lot of that has to do with something I think is even more important, who our food comes from. And I am on a journey. By the way, I'm Dylan Honkoop again. This podcast is documenting my journeys all over Washington State to hear these real personal stories of the people growing our food. I want to reconnect with the people behind the food that we eat. I think food is personal. And how can it really be what it's meant to be unless we know those people who are growing it and bringing it to us? So uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast, following us on social media, uh, and visiting our website, realfoodrealpeople.org. Um, and of course, thank you to our sponsors as well. We wouldn't be able to do this without them. Um, we'll see uh, where this goes with the world of COVID. You know, it's been more of a challenge being able to get around and inter interview people in the far reaches of the state um, like I was doing earlier on, but I want to get back to that. So hopefully that happens soon. In the meantime, please stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and be careful out there. And we will be back uh, with another episode next week. The Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored in part by Save Family Farming giving a voice to Washington's farm families. Find them online at savefamilyfarming.org and by Dairy Farmers of Washington, supporting Washington dairy farmers, connecting consumers to agriculture, and inspiring the desire for local dairy. Find out more at wadairy.org.